Mike Ritzema. I've had the pleasure of knowing Mike for a long time. He is the principal and uh, president of a great MSP in Western Michigan. Of course, MSP managed service provider. Uh, gives great insight on, uh, you know, owning and being a president of a small business and some of his insights. He came from an IBM background, which is very unique, you know, buy their hardware and make margin on it, you know, and to turn that into a service company, what the transition was there. He gives great advice on, like I said, to small business owners uh, and the big, big challenge these days, of course, is talent, you know, and, and how to keep talent with the pandemic. We see that, you know, employee employees are very flexible. Um, in what they want. Uh, they can be very flexible, that is, uh, but they can work from home. They can demand uh, large salaries oftentimes, especially in the tech industry. And some great advice on vendors as well. Um, the one teaser I will give to you is the Dutch ethic. Are you familiar with the Dutch ethic in, um, in Western Michigan? I wasn't. I think you'll be, uh, you'll be surprised and, uh, and enjoy the definition of that. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. You. I really appreciate you doing this, Mike. Great to see you. Is it a yeah. good time to be a, an MSP right now? Oh, absolutely. Life is good. It's a good time to be an MSP. Are you still a, an MSP, Joe? You know, it's funny. I, I merged mine about two years ago, but I work so much with MSPs now and uh, I, I'm fighting for them. I feel like I still am. Yep. Yeah, because you still you run the uh, your Forza or your other platform, right? I run CW Dash and I run Forza yeah. Dash. I work with vendors. Yeah. So why is it a good time to be an MSP now? Well, surprisingly, in a post-pandemic world or in a pandemic world, uh, and in a changing job market, I mean, the demand is substantial. And then, secondly, is the cybersecurity. I mean. Just the demands on small business for cybersecurity are unbelievable, and we can meet those demands. I'll tell you something else that's amazing to me. 
I mean, to build a business on service experience, uh, you know, it's like we're better than the other guys at just plain helping you with your technology. Didn't work for decades, but mm-hmm. guess what? It does today. And, uh, you know, with the uh, tech turnover, just the ability to keep up and find enough humans to deliver the service. Unbelievable. I mean, it's a differentiator. Can't believe it. Yeah, very true. I mean, I remember having, you know, quarterly business reviews with clients and trying to convince them that, hey, we got to get security here because it's important. You might get hacked and you don't need to do that anymore. I mean, people are getting hacked all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, you know, there's natural demand there, even though we're in a very competitive market. Just the changing marketplace is creating opportunity for us. Also, I think we're just more mature. So we're doing a lot of things well, and that helps. Now, you also have a target on your back because the, the cyber criminals, let's call them who, what they are, are actually targeting MSPs because of your tool set and how it's able to you know, get a piece everywhere. So it's actually, yeah. you, you've got to kind of eat your own dog food, every MSP does. Yep. Yep. It's... I mean, business risk, owning a business, you know, uh, business risk is real. And, you know, we've worked hard at that. I mean, I maintain that we're uh, the one of the most, if not the most secure MSP in West Michigan. Hmm. And why is that, Mike? We've invested substantially. We're working with one of the biggest uh, IT cybersecurity companies in the world. We've had all our technology uh, reviewed. We've upped our game. I mean, at i3, you cannot access any system with any client data without two-factor authentication. We're running EDR endpoint detection and response on every server, every desktop. We've got SIM, security information, event management, draped over the whole company. We've uh, tightened down our... Uh, privileged access management. I mean, uh, user logins, et cetera, admin logins are all tightened down. I mean, uh, you know, show me more we can do. That's what I say. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned two-factor authentication. And, you know, for you non-MSPs who are listening, that's where you need a separate piece of authentication. You have it sometimes on your cell phone. When you log into someplace, you got to type in a code. Even when you go to get gas these days and you put in your credit card, it wants your, you know, your home zip code. I mean, you yeah. want that second way to authenticate that it's that it's you. And Mike, like you said, quite frankly, if anybody, any MSP, any security company who doesn't use it, I mean, I don't want to say they deserve to get hacked, but, you know, shame on them. Yeah. And we're going that direction with customers. I mean, not only do we recommend and implore uh, customers to put two-factor, multi-factor on their email, please. But now we're moving across applications. And again, at i3, we've put multi-factor, two-factor authentication on every single piece of software in the place. By the way, a little two-factor rant for anybody that's listening. I will now tell you the four-digit code to my ATM card. And it is the same code that AT&T gave me about 25 years ago. Remember when you hit a hit a uh, uh, a phone and a public phone 
and had it called 1-800 to save 20 cents a minute on a long distance call and you had to put in that four digit code. Well, I'm using the same code for my ATM card and the bank hasn't said change the code every year. Wow. No, because, because two factors, what you know in your head and I'm the only one that knows the code and what you have in your hand. I've got the card in my hand and I know my code. It's the same with logging into a browser or into your email. You, you know the password and you have your phone. And the, the bad guys don't have your phone, so they can't get into your, uh, you, they can't get in. And it seems so simple, but all those hacks that we've heard about didn't have two-factor authentication. They, you know, the RDP, right, remote desktop protocol was left open. Can you imagine? It was just left open. So they found the port and in they went. It's horrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely. You mentioned turnover for staff. I, I, I would think that's not just a MSP issue, but just a generally small business and even larger enterprises. I mean, keeping people these days when, when the flexibility of being able to work from home is there and, uh, you know, they don't have to physically move. It's very daunting to keep good people. What's your secret? Yeah, well, um, you know, the secret is give them more money. I mean, there isn't an easy answer. In the tech world, it's galloping so fast. Uh, we lost, we did lose a tech last year. And it used to be we'd lose techs to competitors or local companies. No, a company out of Colorado hired our tech. Wow. And uh, he's living right here in West Michigan. So, you know, what's the secret? Uh, we're having, it's a challenge for I3. We are turning over techs. We're doing our best to keep them, but uh, it's a challenging market. There's opportunity not only in the state of Michigan, but nationwide. So um, uh, it's it's reality, and we're working our way through it and doing the best we can. Yeah, and I would take it one step further, not just nationwide, but actually, you know, worldwide. Right? We're yeah. able to. Uh, it's very tough. So, do you have? Is it only money with these techs? I mean, do you have to invest in culture? Do you invest oh. in other things they want? That's right. Yeah. No, it's not only money, but I mean, we lost a tech recently who who said, I'm not even going to tell you how much I was offered. So, wow. I mean, we uh, it, it is a reality that in a very competitive market, you know, I did a call with a uh, uh, outsourcing company out of the Philippines and Peter went on a uh, just kind of a little 10 minute rant about the worldwide market for level three techs. And basically, there's none available in mm. Australia, in Europe, in America. So it's a it's a grab across the aisle to find high quality tax. So yeah, I mean we have uh, an apprenticeship path, an educational path that will take tax down. We, yeah, we work hard in our culture uh, and try to make it an enjoyable place to work, uh, work from home, work at the office, you know, all that. And the reality is. It's a competitive worldwide market for tax. Right. Yeah, it really is. Is that, I mean, you're the president, you're the principal. I mean, is that your number one concern? Well, I think running a business, uh, uh, there's a lot of risk involved in running business. I always say well, any small business you're running, including me, you, uh, there's three types of risk we're managing, and that's financial risk, it's physical risk, and it's technological risk. Risk hmm. is a big responsibility for any business owner. But the three other things are productivity. Can I do more with less? 
profitability am i actually making mm. money or breaking even have to get keep the doors open and then innovation how am i different than the other guys so what's my biggest concern at mm. i3 business solutions right now yeah i'm going to i'm going to put that uh, high up the list because we have to deliver the service experience um, but i wouldn't say it's the only risk i'm dealing with and how about clients there in Michigan? I mean, you said there's a huge demand. I mean, did the did the pandemic affect them? And you know, how has business been overall? Yeah, we. I mean, uh, the pandemic was tough. I mean, yeah. I, I had some emotional times with customers and friends who shut the doors. The bank shut them down. You know, we've seen restaurants and customers go out of business, move out of town. Oh yeah, it was it was tough in the state of Michigan. Uh, um, but and definitely in the year 2020, just went flat. Right, nobody's making decisions. Everybody's hunkering down. But when we started to kind of come out of the pandemic in early 21, customers, prospects started making decisions. So, and secondly, we really built out our cybersecurity framework and improved our value proposition. So, you know, surprisingly, the pandemic was good for us. It was tough on a lot of companies and customers and friends, uh, but for I3 in the technology business in West Michigan worked well. Turned out okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think those industries hit hard, of course, were hospitality and, you know, you know, restaurants and entertainment, whatever, anything that, you know, revolves around big crowds obviously got hurt hard. Um, but this whole move, you know, imagine if this happened 20 years ago, Mike, where we the technology wasn't available for people to work from home. Imagine how horrible it would have even more, right? Yeah, it would have been devastating. Absolutely. Technologies like Zoom and others and Teams that were able to actually make that shift. Uh, you know, and even we saw academic in the academic world, the students, you know, from work, uh, learning from home and um, even in colleges. And uh, the removal of snow days was an odd concept, right? Whenever it snows, <laughs> just, you know, and Michigan especially has been hit hard because, you know, Detroit and everything and, and what's happened there and everything. Uh um, but you're in business, Mike, for over 20 years. I mean, uh, applaud, you know, congratulations to you. I mean, what, what's your secret? I mean, what, 20 years. I mean, that's incredible. What's the secret to being in business for 20, 20 years? I always say, and I actually bumped into a young man on LinkedIn who kind of told his story. He, he, uh, he, you know, he got married, had a child, dropped out of college, had a scholarship offer. And he's got a, a successful business in West Michigan. And I said, I posted on LinkedIn that, you know, amazing. You work hard for 30, 40 years. One day uh, you're lucky and you wake up a success and that's it. I mean, get up every day, you know, your theme around discipline. Uh, we over here, Joe, we call it the Dutch work ethic. Hmm. And it's basically get up every day and, you know, 6 a.m. I'm on go and and put in a good, you know, eight, nine hour day, work hard, do the right things and surprise good things happen. Talk to me more. I don't know why Dutch with Dutch work ethic. Well, there's a lot of Dutch in 
West Michigan and uh, I'm a Dutch, uh, you know, descendant of the Netherlands. So yeah, that's just what in my community and my upbringing, well, the Dutch, we work harder than most Joe. <laughs> Very interesting. I did not know that. I did not, uh, <laughs> in, in the Northeast, we don't have a lot of Dutch. We have, you know, a lot of kind of, uh, yeah, I guess I just kind of Western European, but not Netherlands. One of my favorite, you know, soccer, you know, powerhouses in Europe. I always root for the Orange, but uh, I didn't realize there was a lot of Dutch there in Western Michigan. Very interesting. Yeah, there is. Yes. Yeah. So huh. you know, work hard every day. Good things happen. Surprise, you're a success. No, I think it's every day showing up, doing the right things, working hard, working smart. I was surprised to learn that you were at IBM for a year. Yeah, I mean that's 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 how the business started, and uh, so I I actually came out of the food distribution industry and had a had a friend with IBM. We'd share success stories about sales, and he said, "Do you ever think about getting into computers?" And I paused. I said, "Yes, I have," and uh, you know went to work for an IBM business partner in the early '90s, and I remember the food distribution company, I walked into the server room and talked to Rick and said, what do we have here? And what we had was a deck computer with a disk drive about two feet around. Hmm. And he described this stuff to me. And when I started at IBM as a business partner for the first three to six months, I didn't know the difference between memory and disk. And I'd confuse it and they'd correct me. So, yeah, that's how I got started. And that was helping distribution and manufacturing companies find software. We'd do the study. We'd do the demos. And guess what? The software ran on very expensive IBM hardware. And that's how IBM uh, sold, sold their stuff. Yeah, they still do that now, don't they? Yep. So, yeah, in the 90s. Uh, started with IBM and got a little cocky, had a good run in the 90s and said, you know, I, I could I could buy a business. I can do this. And there was a mainframe company. I put the word out and they said, yep, we'd like to sell. And in the tech recession of 2001, the mm. dot com bust mm. is when I bought the business. Wow. I'm a sales type. I went 0 for nine months selling. Oh, for nine months, just a very dark, very dark summer in 2001. And a couple of orders, Consumers Energy, a power company here in Michigan, and then Hayworth in October placed some orders that hauled me out of it. I should say that during that dark summer when, when you know, I was failing as a business owner, I was driving down a street here on September 11, 2001. Mm. When the Twin Towers were hit, I remember pulling in. I was a mile from my mom's house. I pulled in and sat on the couch and thought, it's old, over. Fold up the business, fold up America. The whole thing's done. Mm. It was a very, uh, very tough time for America and for me. But October, a couple orders, we turned it around, and here we go. And you were about how old there? Were you married, kids? Yeah, I had married. I was married. Had a couple of kids. Had mortgaged my house. Put mm. a home equity loan on the house. Uh, I think I was. I have to figure that out. How old oh, was a, I? Then? It's very risky, Mike. Yeah, I was about forty years old then. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't see a lot of business owners trying that kind of stuff when they're married with kids and mortgage. That's very brave of you. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, uh, I was thinking about kind of business, your theme here. And I think Thoreau said, know thyself. I think that's mm. the journey of life. I think you and I could talk for hours about it. Apparently you've got, you know, some stories and uh, discipline and uh, your story, but know thyself. And for me, one thing I've accepted, I've, you know, I'm, I'm competitive guy. I need a challenge. Mm. And actually when I was in that dark time, uh, the company I was at, a number of people had left. And I said to my wife, Hey, if I would have stayed at that company, I'd be top of the heap, uh, you know, in sales. I'd basically have the whole place to myself. And she said, and you wouldn't be happy. And that's true because I need a challenge. I need the, the, the competition. It's what gets me up in the morning. I need risk. I love risk. Uh, you know, that's just the way I'm built. Not everybody is. So that's, uh, that's part of my story. And you turned it around and here we are some time later. Yeah, I turned, we turned it around and put that train on the track. And in 2004, we merged with another IBM business partner and had that train on the track and things going well. A little bit of drama with multiple partners. Yeah. There's another hour or two. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, then what happened, Joe, in 2007, 2008 answer. Yeah. Horrible. The great recession. Yeah. And 18% unemployment. And I think that's the story of business, small business in America. It's like, you know, you, you, you build this thing, everything's easy and hunky dory, right? If you're a good business person, you just, you know, just do the right things and everything's goes well. That's the way it looks Mm. sometimes when you look at another business. And in my experience, you know, the dot-com bust and then some drama with the merger and then uh, the great recession. And then two years ago, the pandemic, it's like, Mm. I thought this stuff was going to be easy. No, there's Mm. some challenges there. Mike, what are lessons learned from partnerships that you could share? Well, I mean, we talk about the hard part of business and the soft part of business. And so in, in the hard part, you know, is the technical part of, you know, loading product on the truck, manufacturing the parts you're manufacturing in technology. It's, you know, fixing the problem and patching and all the things we do. That's the technical, the hard part of the business. The tough part of the business is the soft side of the business. That's relationships and communication. Mm. And guess what? You know, whether you've got employees or a management team or partners have to work really hard on relationships and communication. And uh, I mean, I think that's the biggest challenge and the biggest lesson learned. And Part of that, part of that, I think, is the entrepreneurial, the small business, the life journey is, you know, if you want a challenge, surf right into some of that, you know, Mm. surf right into a partnership where there's some communication breakdowns and relationships are affected. Those are real challenges of business. And, and And then I also say, you know, when you start a business, you know, you don't think that you're going to hit a tech recession and then the great recession, but nor do you think you're going to 
learn and grow through relationship and communication challenges, right? right? And that's that's part of the, uh, I think the journey and the story of small business, technology business is you learn so much. And if you don't want to accept those kind of challenges, well, then don't go into business. Yeah, I mean, just one of the one of the acquisitions we made we we brought the owner on for a year to head up sales and you know 6 months in he decided well you know what i didn't really want to sell my company and i really want to run everything now you know so that obviously you know that's you know so all of a sudden goals change and you can't handle it and you got to deal with this now is that similar yeah. to what you happened just kind of goals changed yeah i think you know in our case we had some partners that uh, you know, felt slighted. Mm. Um, and then we had another partner when we hit the, when we hit the great recession, we didn't know the great recession was starting, but I mean, business changed so dramatically. He just said, buy me out. I'm out of here. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think absolutely people didn't understand, uh, the partnership, uh, you know, what they were in shared responsibility and so on. So yeah, it's, it was complicated in our case. And to have a, a like an EOS or those kind of, you know, those kind of entrepreneurial systems, was all that in place? Did all goal or goals set and just minds changed? Mm, I think we were, we, we were young in the partnership. So no, we did not, mm. we did not have, you know, in my small business journey, uh, we were doing the best we could to re, uh, run the business. It was reading the books, you know, reading mm. every book we could get our hands on from good to great to small giants to predictable success to, you know, over the years, Rockefeller habits, and then traction. But back then, you know, reading and learning the best I can. Um, but no, we did not have perfect systems in back then. Mm. Yeah, it's very tough partnerships. Once somebody feels slighted, there's, oof, there's, yeah, there's, it's very tough to turn around from that, especially if they were friends, you know, and then friendship goes away and very absolutely. tough situation partnerships. You have to really deal delicately. Yes, absolutely. So, top advice, Mike, that you would give to MSPs or even small business owners. I wonder if it would be the same. Like what, what was some items that you would think to, to help people grow? Yeah, absolutely. For MSP or a tech company, top advice, my number one advice to a young person, anybody, find a mentor, mm. find a peer group. So, and actually we have, you know, clo well, we've got over a hundred customers here in West Michigan and I recommend it regularly find a peer group. You have a peer group in your industry. And if you can find a peer group in your industry, you're, you know, or, you know, find a local peer group, tailor business group, those mm. type of things, the, uh, what young professionals, et cetera, yeah. uh, chamber, et cetera, but find a peer group in a perfect world, an industry specific peer group. It changed mm. our company. When we met Joe, uh, at HCG, I believe originally, and then at the conferences, but the peer groups, the, the key and, and for young people or an individual in business, find a mentor. Absolutely. So number one is find a mentor, find a peer group. 
I mean, it turned us around. The first lesson I learned, Mike, and I, I don't know if you share this, but so many times as the owner, you feel like you're on, you're on an island. Nobody knows how I feel. Nobody understands these problems. Then all of a sudden, I'm in a, you know, a boardroom with everybody with the same problems or very similar. And it's, it was just such a you know, breath of fresh air. And it's like, I, I, I can't believe this. And you know, I, I'm with my tribe almost. You know? it, exactly. You know, two stories. Number one, you know, our net profit, early days of the business, and when we merged the business, we were, we were smoking down some, we were making money. And uh, it got in the peer group, started doing the work and putting in the systems and the measurements, and we doubled our net, net profit, Joe. Wow. And so in the peer group, Arlen uh, hauled my partner up in front of the group to tell the story. Well, the fact is we doubled our net profit, but we were still below industry average. We, wow. we sucked, but that was huge. It's like, man, we are making progress here. So yeah, absolutely peer groups uh, just revolutionized our company. And I always say the main key, like you said to me, you know, why a peer group? And the answer is perspective, just mm. to sit in a room with 11 people. And again, I would look at a small business, a friend, a uh, uh, another peer and say, man, they've got it nailed. And then they'd tell you their problems. It's like, hmm, apparently they have challenges too. Yeah. You learn just from listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so true, and uh, I only wish that I had done it sooner, right? I guess that you know uh, because I was I don't know five six years in before it happened. Same uh, here. Well, it was Arlen that put the train on the track. I'd say, you know, number two from me yeah. would be read, learn, grow, and that mm -hmm. is what the peer group is, right? And for me, I, I read books. I do books on tape. I mean, I've been doing books on cassette tape. I've done books on CD. I do books on Audible. And so I'll buy the book. I like to you know, have the reference, but I'm just consuming everything I can. And so those structures are interesting to me. I always say those books I listed, Simple Giants, Predictable Success, Good to Great, uh, you know, Rockefeller Habits, Scaling Up. It's all the same stuff, criminy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you need people, you need process, you need data. And uh, so the fundamentals are there. Um, and traction does really simplify it nicely. But read, learn, grow webinars, conferences, peer groups. I mean, to me, that's that's the journey of small business. That's the journey of, uh, you know, heading towards excellence in managed services. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's horizontal. I think you, those are the same lessons we could do in any small to medium business, right? Just the, those books that you mentioned aren't tech specific. Right. So, so, and then the other thing I say is, I think it's interesting, Joe, because I look at you and you, you and I have talked at conferences and so on. Yeah, I say I've learned, look, I've find a peer group. Number one, I had a guy, Matt, from uh, one of my peer companies, and he would jump into a peer group for two years. You know, I'm in there for eight. And he's in for two. He's, I'm like, man, what, you're quitting already? Yeah, I got what I need out of this. <laughs> so. And, and I've, I, I kind of took a little lesson from that. I say I've learned more from watching what people do than what they say to do. Oh. And so our, 
Uh, Arnie Bellini's one of them. You know, Arnie Bellini uh, will tell you what to do. He's got all the frameworks, all the information. But, but watch what Arnie does. Uh, Arlen Sorensen, a phenomenal leader of multiple organizations who will tell you what to do, but you can learn from what he does. Robin Robbins is another one with her, uh, you know, I'm a sales guy. I've, I've basically scoffed at marketing my whole life until I got involved with Mar Robin Robbins and, and, and she told me what to do and I started doing it. But guess what? I learn as much or more from what Robin Robin does as what she says to do. And then this experience with Joe Pannone is, hmm, this is interesting. Joe's very successful in a lot of different ways. What is Joe doing now? Uh, I learn from what people do as much as from what they say to do. It's a, that's a life lesson right there, Mike. In fact, you know, I have daughters and, you know, I, every once in a while I'm part wisdom, you know, and, and I said, when you're, when you're looking for a friend or for a, you know, for a partner, don't always listen to what they say, but really watch what they do. I mean, they can say yes. anything. You know, but just see how they interact with their friends or see, watch them. And, you know, that won't, uh, that, that tells uh, a bigger, a bigger story. And some of the other people you mentioned, Arnie Bellini, ex-CEO of, uh, of ConnectWise, one of the founders with him and his brother, Ar you mentioned Arlen Sorensen, who created all the peer groups, who now was acquired by ConnectWise. And, you know, I, I, I picture Arlen as the kind of the godfather of the MSP. I don't know if any, yeah. I don't know who I'm going to quote that. I'm going to speak to him soon, but actually it's his birthday today, I think, by the way. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, great, great leaders and great uh, uh, examples to follow it, uh, follow in, in, uh, in business and in life. Uh, so those are, those are great. Um, that's great advice for, MSPs and even small to medium sized businesses. Now, how about let's just make a quick pivot to vendors that work with MSPs or with small to medium SMBs. Like, what what advice do you give to them to work better with with uh, MSPs? Uh, number one is, and I think it's I think it's happening now is you know help MSPs with marketing collateral and sales programs. So. Um, that's, that's number one advice to the vendor. And then number two is understand the broad demands on a small business owner and an MSP. I, I think there's so much irony here. Um, so, you know, delivering the education and the training is one thing, and most of them have def decent, uh, you know, education and training, but guess what? We don't all have all the bandwidth to sit through, you know, eight or 10 vendors education programs, right. you know, and haul half our company out and say, okay, we got, you know, hey, would you take this 12 hour training class and get certified in this specific technology? Uh, it's just overwhelming the volume of this. So for a, for a small business or for an MSP, you know, priorities change daily. That was the challenge with the peer groups. Uh, Joe is, you know, you'd fly across country, come back with all these ideas, and four weeks later, catapulting <laughs> through the business. It's like, I should really try and get some of that stuff done. What's the same thing with the vendors? I mean, mm. look, 
Yeah, I love it. We signed up as a partner and I've got two customers now, but I don't get up every morning saying, hey, I got to push that. Right. And then the last irony of, of hmm. you know, working with a vendor is I always found this at the conferences to me was that, and, and I say, I, I'm a slow learner and and I'm an IBM stockholder and I get their annual report every year and I look at their P&L and where they're making money. And it took me five years to figure out, hey, you know what? Maybe I, even though IBM said, here, sell our hardware and make good margins, maybe I should be in the services business because that's where IBM's making their money mm -hmm. is off services and off software. So we started rotating our brand and that was part of the peer group journey also, right? Is Joe, I went to the Michigan State uh, 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 licensing office for my car 25, 30 years ago, walked in and said, I would like the license plate IBM for you. IBM, the number four, Y-O-U. That is the 1-800 number for IBM nationwide. Hmm. Hmm. And I thought, no way that, that I'll get this. And they're like, yep, it's available. You can have it. I thought, do I really want that on my car? Yes, I do. And I had that license on my car, 1-800-IBM-FOR-YOU, uh, until we got into the community, the tech community, and it was, you need to build your own brand. Mm. And the license plate on my car right now is I3 space for you. Hmm. We are building you know, I am building a brand, a reputation here. Uh, that's what we're doing with our businesses, right? We're not building a Microsoft brand, an IBM brand. We're not br building a Lenovo or a Lexmark brand. But yet when we go to the conferences, everybody wants us to buy their stuff and sell their stuff. Hmm. Hey, buy my stuff, sell my stuff. And that's the reality for vendors is we're trying to build this service business, our own brand, and to pivot and say, okay, now I'm going to sell your brand, your stuff. That's the paradox of the business. So that's that's what I'd say to vendors. That's very interesting, Mike, because you, you kind of started with marketing and collateral, but then it can't be too much because, uh, you know, because it's so overwhelming. And then of course, you know, I have discussions with vendors all the time and they say silly things like, you know, you just tell your clients that you have, that you're selling our stuff and they'll just buy it. You yeah. know, that's not how MSPs work. They sell their services. The client doesn't care what product we're using. They want one throat to choke. And that's, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the concept there. And they are a lot of them are making the move and and yeah. we've been burned before i there's one particular vendor i'm i don't you know there's a big school system in the northeast of connecticut we need a couple thousand workstations and a couple hundred servers and i called my partner up did academic pricing did deal registration and within two days they were bidding against us Yep. Now, you know there. who this is yeah you've been there. been there yeah so you know msps are gun shy they're they're careful who's they who they partner with because they're afraid they're going to go after them and uh valuable lessons that uh that vendors need to learn and um just a simple concept of the msps your client they'll take care of their clients you know yep. just worry about selling to the msp and they'll know what to do from there it's just pretty simple i think yes it is 
You mentioned discipline. I talk a lot about, I wouldn't say a lot. I, I do get a decent amount of pushback when I mention discipline. Uh, you know, I lost a lot of weight. People ask me how I did it. I always say discipline and, you know, I get a little pushback as to, it's not discipline you need. You need compassion and you need love and you need sympathy. And yeah. you know, my response is, I think you need all of that, but doesn't all that still require a bit of discipline? You know, I, uh, do you consider yourself disciplined? Yeah, I do. And interestingly, for uh, I3, we give out books for Christmas for the holidays and been hmm. doing this for years. And um, the book we gave out this year is Atomic Habits. And uh, have you heard of the book, Joe? Yes. Yeah. So Atomic Habits, basically, I love the story in there. You might be able to relate, but of the woman who wanted to work out every day. And she said, well, the first thing I did that I had, I got up, I put on my workout clothes. And then, you know, she went down and, and, you know, walked down to the, you know, the club. And that was it. If she could get her clothes on and go down the stairs, she was going to work out mm. and, you know, atomic habits. But the irony in the book for me is I'm a goal setter. I have been my whole life and, and I fight it, right? I'm a goal guy, not a journey guy. I need the challenge. I need a goal. I need to go there. Can I figure out how to enjoy the journey? And atomic, atomic habits actually says goals are one thing. But you have to back them up with atomic habits. You know, you have to get every day, you have to get up and do it. Mm. And I kind of reflect on my career, my success, uh, you know, the challenges that I've taken on. And it is the atomic habits. It is the daily grind. You know, back when I was a telemarketer, it was dialing the phone. I did that for just decades. I've done that in the last five years. I pick up the phone and wow. reach out to people and say, Hey, I'm still here. Do you want to talk again? I mean, these are, these are habits that are in place that, uh, just show up with, Oh my gosh, I reached my goal. How'd that happen every day, every day. So that's, I mean, that, that traction, uh, that consistency, that cadence, uh, is, you know, it's built into me. Very interesting. And have you always been that way? Is this the Dutch ethic? <laughs> well, yeah, it is. I mean, you you could not understand, Joe. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> is yeah. I mean, uh, that's what it is. I think it is. It is hard work, you know. Um, and and that would be the challenge I'd give to any young person, any business owner. You know, I think there are a lot of people that think. Uh, you know, they're going to create an online business and in a year they're going to be printing down $100,000 a month. Mm. You know, I just have to get the right website and get the right social media and it's going to be awesome. And, you know, I say to my kids, show up, work hard every day. You'd be amazed at how, how successful you'll be. Very, very true. Interesting and well put, Mike. So Mike Ritzema, what motivates you? Well, the challenge motivates me and you know, I am getting a little bit older and, you know, how many challenges do I need still? It's interesting. It's, it's kind of up and down. Uh, and, you know, I love the challenge. So I'll find a challenge. You and I have golfed together yes. to say I'm a good golfer. And uh, so, but I can be a better golfer and that's the challenge that i have and you are i would say you are a great golfer oh. and i i have to believe that 
you know, I'll tell you what, I like to golf. I don't like to practice golf. Mm. I need an atomic habit to practice my short game because when i get out to the course it's like forget the practice let's go play baby let's go and uh that's an area where i i need the challenge and and i want to work so that's uh, you know what motivates me the challenge to someday play at par with joe panone would be you (laughs) know an accomplishment in my life well, I've been slipping a little bit, I'll be honest with you, Mike. But um, I don't know if I told you, my, my youngest went off to school, so I'm spending, I'm in Tampa for the winter. Oh, nice. So, you know, you've, you have now got a place in Tampa for, for a week to come play golf. So uh, you let me know whenever. I get down to that. Yes, I'll track you down sometime. And Absolutely. I'll try and keep it between the alligators. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our course over there really doesn't have any, but yeah, they, it can be a nuisance. You just gotta, just gotta stay away from them. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you measure success? That's interesting because I think a challenge of people that entrepreneurs, small business owners, and maybe goal-oriented people that are reaching is that the goalpost keeps moving. Mm. So, how do I uh, measure success, uh, you know, it depends how you define success. And I think that work life balance of, you know, family, uh, friends, uh, is, is a big part of it. Uh, you know, uh, but then in the business, it's, it's always reaching for that next challenge. Uh, and, and I am a growth guy. I mean, I want to grow the business. So, mm. I'm going, I'm, I'm just not a guy that's going to sit here and say, this is good. You know, let's just kind of manage this thing. So, uh, success for me is, you know, a progressive realization of new challenges or goals. That's not a perfect answer. I know that, Mm. uh, but it's a reality for my life. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with what motivates you, you know, and, and yep. by the way, you say it's not a perfect answer because it might change tomorrow. It might change in, a, in an hour, right? Depending on, on what happens and what new challenges arise. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, a part of success for me is, you know, how can I impact others and help, help mm. them be successful? And I'm sure you are similar that, well, two things. I mean, text all over West Michigan that came through I3 Business Solutions. And we hired them in college and they graduated from college and and they got an offer and it's like, crap, you know, we don't need another senior tech here. Goodbye and, and good luck. So that's it. And then one of the things I did, Joe, that, you know, again, I learned from what somebody like Arlen Sorensen does is I started West Michigan peer groups here in West Michigan. It's hmm. it's basically one peer group, but business owners and associates, and that's been very fulfilling for me. And we've had some emotional conversations and help businesses through things, you know. So what does successful look like? It's it's impacting others, not only in business but individuals, and helping them, you know, learn and grow and become successful. Well said. Well said. 
Mike Ritzema, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know I learn, and and hopefully anybody, uh, anybody and everybody who's learning will do the same. I'm going to put, if you don't mind, I'll put your LinkedIn address in the notes. So if anybody wants to contact you for for anything, uh, they can do so, and you could take it from there. I really appreciate your time today. Likewise, Joe. Nice talk. You be well, and I hope next time we see you out on the course. That'll be great. That'd be great. You can twist my arm. <laughs> Thanks again, Mike. You be well. Bye, Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. It's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, you be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversation.